If you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can either click to, turn to First uh, Peter chapter 1, and we've been in this series for three weeks, and we've made it all the way up to verse 14, and so uh, woohoo, and so we'll get through chapter 1 sooner or later, and, and so tonight, I, I have the title of the message is, is Grow Up. We're in this series called Great Expectations to where we're walking through 1 Peter uh, verse by verse. And then in some of the ways, we're going to slow down to even word by word and try to get everything uh, that God has for us out, out of this book. And, and so at the close of our service, towards the end of the service, we're going we're to take communion together, uh, which, will, which will be a special time. And so, so the word grow up, the title of the sermon, actually comes out of some of the verses we're going we're, we're to look at tonight. Uh, Simon Peter made that statement. I mean, he's looking at a group of believers, and he's encouraging them. He says, not only do I have great expectations for you, but guys, you, you, like, you like need to grow up. I mean, there's something about being a parent or a grandparent. It is a great thing when your kids start growing up, right? I mean, isn't it a great thing as your kids become adults and, and all of a sudden they become more mature, they love one another, they begin helping one another. I know one of my favorite things when we're with the grandkids and our kids is just to sit back and kind of watch all the dynamics that are going on. And now we have grandkids that are getting old enough uh, to where they're, they're like helping one another and their, their personalities are coming out. But one of the ways that you know as a parent or grandparent that your kids are growing up is that they love one another, they care for one another, they begin working together, they, 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 they help one another. And, and Simon Peter is talking about this issue. And so spiritually, he's telling, he's telling a group of believers that, guys, you, you, you like need to grow up. Because there's one thing about a kid, right? And if you especially have been around, around young kids, uh, I mean, they could be in a great environment and things can be going great and they can be happy and over the top, excited and life is going good. You're awesome. The world is awesome. And then, then with a flip of a switch, they just fall out on the ground and they're like screaming and they're like crying and they don't want to walk and the world is coming to an end and you're not a great person any longer. And then they can flip back the other way really quick, right? It's a sign of immaturity. The same thing is what Simon Peter's going to try to help us to understand tonight it can be true of believers. You can be spiritually mature even though you may have been a believer a long time. And what he's trying to say is you, you, need, you need to grow up. I mean, there's times that even believers, I've watched it, that they can like, like be spirit-filled and they're like walking with God and God loves them, God cares for them. Uh, they're engaged, they're opening his word, they're reading his word, they're worshiping, they're engaged in ministry, all of these other things. And then a tragedy hits. God disappoints them. Something goes not their way, and all of a sudden they push Scripture away and say, I'm not going to life journal, I'm not going to read Scripture. Sometimes they push the church away. Sometimes they pu push ministry away, and all of a sudden they push everything away because they're, they're upset with God and they just need some time. They're, they're like time out. And so Simon Peter, remember, he's talking to a group of believers. that They, hadn't been, they haven't been Christians very long at all, and they're headed into persecution. I mean, I mean Nero's fired up mad about the Christians. And what Simon Peter tries to help them to understand is you, you guys need to grow up. And you need to grow up really quick. And you need to understand who God is and you need to understand about this walk. And so I, tonight I just, I just want to give you three, three things and we're going to take communion together. What Simon Peter encourages them about this issue of growing up, the first thing is this. He says you need to grow up and understand God has given you a new life. God, God has given you this thing of, of like a new life, and we'll just start tracking together in verse 14, and he says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it was written, you shall be holy, for I, for I am holy. 
Apostle Paul writes in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says these things about that new life. He says, therefore, if anyone is in, in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behind, behind, behold, the new has come. In other words, what Paul is saying, Simon Peter is saying, is that when you became a Christian, it, it, God gave you this, this new life. You've been, you've been made new. You have this relationship with Christ. And, and so Simon Peter takes it, takes it a step further, right? It's okay. I think it's not as intimidating saying that you're a new creation. You have this new life. But Simon Peter, I mean, he takes it to a whole nother level. And he says, you be holy. And you be holy just as God is holy. I mean, holy is like an intimidating word, right? I mean, we use it a lot around the church. But holy and be holy as I am holy can be a pretty intimidating word. And let me just break it down and give just a real easy definition of holy. Holy is simply this, to be set apart to be set apart from the world, to be set apart for a, for a, for a special purpose. And in other, words, in other words, we say like holy communion that we'll, we'll observe in a few minutes together. I mean, the bread and the juice have what? Have been set apart for a holy purpose. It's been set apart for a purpose. Holy matrimony. So man and a woman make a commitment, a covenant for life to walk together as husband and wife to where they've been set apart to where like they're out of the dating scene, they're out of that whole deal. I mean, they've been set apart for one another. In other words, what Simon Peter is trying to help us understand is this issue of a godly life is an intentional life. In other words, it sets setting priorities. And in verse, verse 13, uh, for, uh, chapter 1, 1 Peter says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and so Simon Peter makes some, I mean, he makes some real bold or, or forceful statements, if you will. He says, prepare your mind for action. And, man, the, the first hearers of this, the people that he was writing to, man, they, they tracked with that, about that issue of prepare your minds for action. It, it's, it's a Greek phrase that just simply meant that. It was, it was when, a, when a man would, like, like, like take, take his robe and they would, if they needed to move for action or to run, they would lift up their robe and they'd either tie it around their waist or they'd tuck it in a belt so that they could run, so that they could have action. So Simon Peter is trying to help them understand that if, if you're going to grow up, then you've got to set some priorities. And, and then he used some terms about being sober-minded and, and set your hope fully on the grace or, or understand that you have this, this living hope. And Simon Peter helps them understand that, listen, this, this new life that you had, it, it came at a huge cost to God. I mean, you may, you may see it as free, and it is free. It is for you something that you do not work for. But listen, just because it's free to us, by accepting his sacrifice, it came at a huge cost to God. Uh, verse 18, Simon Peter goes on and says, knowing that you were ransomed from the, from, from, from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold. And so we're going to start in a section and, and Simon's gonna, Simon Peter's going to start tracking and helping us to understand the perishable or the imperishable, the things that last for eternity, the things that fade away, the things that go away with this world. And so he starts using these words, perishable and imperishable. He'll phrase this all, all types of ways. And he says perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious of, uh, blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. In other words, man, you've been made new. You've been given a new life. And guess what? You, you weren't, weren't bought with something perishable, silver or gold. You were bought with something imperishable. You're, you were bought with something that, 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 that would last for eternity. 
It was the blood of Christ. And as a result of that, that he has made you new. And you, you need to just understand it should change everything. The second thing about this issue of growing up, and Simon Peter just, just starts tracking deeper and deeper as we look at this. He says, not, not, only, not only have you been given a new life, but guess what? You've also been given a new direction. I mean, God has is, is like changed your direction, the direction that you had in life before you knew him, and now the direction that you have now that you've met him. And so verse 22, Simon just writes, and he says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, from sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And so he uses, word, he uses his word love two different ways, two different Greek words. There's four different Greek words for, for the word love. And so the first one he uses, he uses a, he uses a, um, he uses a brotherly love. Um, it's it, it's uh, phileo. Thank you, Dwayne. Dwayne, thank you. You saved me because <laughs> you're awesome. There'll be a little bit extra in your check for you. <laughs> a little. <laughs> and, and so it's where, we, it's where we get our word Philadelphia, the city of what? The city of brotherly love. We know the Philadelphia Eagles don't go by that, but... Um, <laughs> but the city of brotherly love. And so it's, it's like this play on words. And so first, it's like this brotherly love. Uh, the Greek word actually is where it, it means sincere wax. The definition of this word means sincere wax. It's interesting. So, so a, a potter, a guy that's making pottery, if, if something happens in, in, in the baking or, or in, the, in the process and he drops the, the piece of pottery and it cracks, then what he does is he melts wax. He puts it back together. The way he puts it back together is he melts wax. Well, it's, it's damaged. Well, there were some potters that would try to sell their pottery at full price like it wasn't damaged. And so one thing that you could do is, is when you go to buy a piece of pottery, you could hold it up to the sunlight and you could actually see the light come through the wax. And so the, the very best pottery of their day was sincere pottery without wax, without blemish. So all of a sudden, now what he's doing, he says, so, so one, you have this brotherly love. Two, he uses, he uses agape, which is this deep love. And he, so he says, so verse 22 again, for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from, from a pure heart. In other words, he's talking about having this pure brotherly love. Understand that, guess what? We, we're, we're in a family. I mean, we love deeply from the heart. And so Simon Peter begins taking this word and trying to help us understand the perishable versus the imperishable. And he begins talking about the word of God, which is what he would say, what we would say is the pure gospel. I mean, the gospel has power. And Simon Peter becomes very repetitive trying to, trying to drill down and help, uh, help them and to help us understand the power of God's word in your life and in my life. Verse 23. Since you, have been, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed. He, he's talking about the word of God, okay? He's talking about the gospel, but of, of imperishable. Through the living and the abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, or the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news, okay, gospel, that was preached to you. So because of that, put away, put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, and envy, and slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, 
that by it you may grow into salvation. If indeed, if indeed you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, if indeed that you know him, if indeed that you have a relationship with him. And so the, the key phrase is what Simon Peter is saying is, is that we long for the pure spiritual milk, which is the word of God. And that is the way. And so that's where you get the title from the sermon. And so that is the way that you grow up into salvation. And so it, it's important to grow and it's important to, uh, to mature. And so you're not, you're not growing to gain salvation. You, you, you're not growing to get saved. You're already saved, but you, you grow to mature. You grow to deepen in him. In other words, what he's saying is, is when you have tasted and when you have seen that the Lord is good, don't stop there. Continue to mature. Continue to grow. Continue to take the word in. I mean, what, what Simon Peter is saying is, listen, there is so much about him. There's so much to know about him. There's so much to, to learn about him. I, and I, I don't know if you're like this. I, for sure, I'm, I, I, this is true in my life. I don't know that I really appreciated my earthly father until I grew up, until I had a family, until I matured, until I understood some of the, the challenges of life, the difficulties of life. The balance of life. And you know what? Simon Peter's saying the same thing. Simon Peter is saying the fellowship of the Rockies are, are Christians all over the world. You have been born again. It's by, the, it's by the gospel. It's by the sprinkling of his blood. And because of that, you've been given like you've been given this new direction in life. That your direction in life should have t- changed totally when you met him. And he's saying this isn't, this isn't like a human birth. That one day you're born and you die because he, uses, he starts using some, some, some illustrations, right? He starts saying the grass withers and, and it dies. And Simon Peter is saying the word of God is imperishable and everything else in the world looks good for a while, but it's perishable and it, it dies. And so Simon Peter uses a couple of illustrations, right? He says, well, we'll take the flower. I mean, it, it, the, flower, the flower falls, the flower fades, the flower dies, we're watching that happen right now, right? I mean, we are watching, you know, the flowers that were in our front yard that looked so beautiful, and now fall is coming. You know what they're doing? Probably like the flowers in your yard. They're, they're, they're dying, and they cannot die soon enough for me to get rid of these allergies, I tell you. And so uh, there's an ADD moment. <laughs> then he uses grass, right? He says, the grass, oh, the grass, it withers and it dies. I mean, really, do you keep your grass from last season? That's lawn grass, okay? Uh, that's grass in your front yard. <laughs> you got to clarify that here, right? So do you, keep, do you keep the grass in your front yard? I mean, you, do you save up grass? I mean, do you like bag it and keep it and say, one day I'm going to hand this down to my grandkids? No, you do like I do. You cut your grass. You put it in a plastic bag. You put it on the curb or dump it in the neighbor's yard, whatever you do with it. And you know what? You never, you never see it again. Why? Because it, it's grass. And then he goes on. Listen, even men fade. It's an amazing thing, but even in heroes from one generation to the next, the next generation a lot of times will forget them, right? Even from one generation to the next, even men fade. This last weekend, I was having a conversation with some of our students trying to educate them in the ways of professional football, and, uh, and it was an engaging conversation, and so I mentioned the name Roger Stahlback. 
And they're like, wait a minute. We do not know who that is. I'm like, how can you heathens not know who that is? He's like in the ring of honor. I mean, he was one of the top 10, you know, football players in the world. How do you not know who that is? And they're like, we do not know who that is. And I said, well, you blasphemers. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, from one, gener- listen, from one generation to the next, even what Simon Peter is trying to help us understand, even men fade from one generation to the next. But Simon Peter said, but see, his word is so different. Everything else is going to fade away. You know what's going to fade away? His word. The gospel. He's talking about this living word that just lives for eternity. The seed that he talks about is the word of God. It's the living, abiding word of God. This word remains forever. I mean, he uses so many. It's pure spiritual milk. The word of the Lord, the gospel. And what he's saying is, and when when it is planted in you, It produces something. When the word is planted in your heart, right? Whether by a preacher, a song that we worship to, a family member, a friend, life journaling, life groups, it produces. If you pay attention, it produces something in you. And listen, let me me just encourage you. Just because you planted the seed, you planted the word in someone's, someone's life, Just because it hasn't broken the surface yet doesn't mean it's not going to produce something. Doesn't mean it's not doing anything. We have promise after promise in Scripture that his word never returns void. And Simon Peter is trying to get us to understand that his word, this word of God, this seed, it is living and it is active. And listen, when it is planted in someone's life, that it it produces, it it produces something. See, we here at Fellowship of the Rockies, we believe that. We believe there's power in his word. And we still stand on his word. We still claim his word. We still use his word as like a guiding principle of, of, of this church. Because here, here's what Simon Peter saying. He said, guess what? Opinions, they come and go. But the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord endures forever. And yes, his word can be scary. Yes, his word sometimes can be offensive. Yes, his word sometimes can be counterintuitive. I get it. I understand. It should be. If you read it right, I mean, if you're open to it, it should be. It should challenge some things. I mean, it, sometimes it's counterintuitive, right? I mean, the scripture says, for instance, it says things like give generously to God. Not, not only when you can afford it, but, but sometimes even when you can't. And I, I mean, it's, it's crazy to us. It's crazy to people say, so, so with my money that I've earned and, I've, I've, and I have, are you telling me that the Bible tells me that, that I, should, I should give generously to him? I should give generously to the church. And, and God said, absolutely, because God says that's the way that I, can tr- that I will teach you to trust me. Because once you learn to trust me with your money, you can trust me with everything else in, in your life because money is so, emo- so emotional. Trust me with the first fruit of your income and just see what I will do. Scripture goes on and says, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, it's counterintuitive, right? In the world we live, take care of number one. Take care of me. And the scripture comes along and says, oh, no, love your neighbor as yourself. See, what happens is when the word of God gets planted in your heart, if you will cooperate with it, it will produce something in your life. 
I mean, it, when he uses his pure spiritual milk, and he uses his word baby, he's not talking about immature versus mature. He's talking about this issue just like, just like, a, just like an infant, just like a baby, craves the milk of his or her mother. I mean, he needs it daily. You should crave the word of God the same way. I mean, a baby couldn't make it if you just feed a baby once a week, right? So what he's, what he's talking about, he's talking about this issue of just, just remember, when, remember when smartphones first came out, all we had were the cool flip phones, right? And then all of a sudden smartphones come out, and so they were so powerful they could do amazing things, but the battery life, they'd last for like 15 minutes, and they're like, done, right? I remember the battery, I mean, really, they'd last an hour, hour and a half, and they're like, done. They were amazing for that whole hour, but after that, the battery hadn't caught up with the technology or the capacity of the battery hadn't caught up with the t uh, technology. And so if you had like a, you know, early days iPhone, iPhone 4, iPhone 4S, you know that, right? Or maybe a droid phone, I don't know, but, but, <laughs> but, but it wouldn't last long, so you're constantly trying to charge it. And so that's what Simon Peter said. Simon Peter, you should crave you should crave his word to the point that you understand that all of a sudden it's like, it's like God's recharging you. Here, here's a crazy thing that, that, I, that, I, that, I, that I counted off this weekend, or I'm sorry, this week. It's just a, it's an insane thing to think about. But Jesus Christ in the New Testament spoke a hundred, a hundred and, uh, I'm sorry, 1,800 verses is, is what Jesus spoke. 1,800 red letter verses of scripture. Of the 1,800 that Jesus spoke, 180 of them are a direct quotation of Scripture. And in times of stress, in times of difficulty, the percentage went way up. Sometimes all he did was quote Scripture in those times. If Jesus Christ needed the Word of God, don't you think we need it? If Jesus Christ needed to know the Word of God, I mean, 10% of the words that Jesus spoke was this issue. Listen, this, I am so passionate about this because, see, this is, so, this is part of my story. When I was a kid, my aunt planted the word of God in my life. It took about 15, 20 years for it to break the surface. His word is living and active and powerful. The third and the last thing is this, is he has put you in a new family. He has put you in a new family. He's given you a new direction. He's given you a new life, and he's put you in a new family. And, and so, see, God's plan, he could have chosen just to save us and said, well, you know what? Your, your relationship is just between me and you now. You can just walk, walk with God and your spirituality, and there's people that believe this right, that your spirituality is just between you and God. But that wasn't his plan. It's all through Scripture. We were born again, and it says that we were born into a new family. And I, th I think especially today with our individualism and some of the other things that are going on in the church culture, this word is so needed of the church today. And a lot of people like to talk more about the universal church, and, and like that exempts them from being a part of a local body of believers and in a family. Every letter, listen, the letters of the New Testament, they weren't written to the universal church. You know who they were written to? A local body of believers. They gathered together, they worshiped together, they prayed together, they opened the word together, they did life group groups together, they did ministry together. And I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, you cannot live an isolated life from the family of God. 
and grow at the rate that God wants you to grow. You cannot live an isolated life from his word and from other believers without pleasing him. There's 56 what I call one another's of scripture. You can take any Bible software and just, just Google, but search on two words, one another. 56 will come up. The only way you can live out those 56 commands, one another commands of scripture, is in community with other believers. Love one another, pray for one another, serve one another, encourage one another, minister to one another, help one another, encourage one another. I mean, all through scriptures is, is just this picture that we're, we're the family, we're the, we're, the, we're, the, we're, the, we're the body of Christ, he is the head and we're the body. In other words, we're... In other words, we're related. In other words, I mean, it's just some just to think about. In other words, when you're in Christ and he places you in a new family, you realize we're going to have this family for eternity? And it's a double blessing when your immediate family are also believers. So you're going to have your immediate family and this family together for eternity. And the body of Christ is not about being white or black or Hispanic, Latino, Asian, Italian, or even a Texan. <laughs> it's about we're a family. We're a family. And we're going to heaven together. And we're going to be together a long time. And Christians, as I'm just telling you, Christians that are isolated, they struggle at maturing in him. They struggle at growing up in him. Man, the family that God places you in, us in, never breaks up. It's an amazing thing to think about. I've done it so many times in missions. I can travel halfway around the world to the Dominican, to Lima, Peru, uh, Zimbabwe, Mimbezi, uh, Haiti, where we do. You, you can go anywhere. And I can, listen, I can walk. When we walked in a worship service in Mimbezi in the church that we built, and they had already worshipped. They, they had already been worshipping. I don't know how long they had worshipped. I mean, it's just a, it's a different schedule over there. And so we walked in. They looked a lot different than us. They dressed a lot different than us. I mean, they danced a lot different than me because they actually had rhythm. And uh, they spoke a different language. But when I stepped in there and I was immersed in that worship, I knew they are my brothers and sisters in Christ. They're my they're my, they're, my, they're my family. And you may not even know them. But I'm here to tell you tonight, when you're in Christ, they're your family too. And so see, I think that just as it makes an earthly father happy when your kids get along and when they love one another and they help one another, they grow up and they mature, I think it makes the, I think it makes the father. I think it makes the father happy. 1 Corinthians 13, he's, Paul's writing into a, a local church there. And he writes these words that he just says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I'd only, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but, did, but didn't love others, come into community with others, Encourage others. 
I would be nothing if I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body. I could brag about that. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So he said, let me tell you what love is. Love is when we're patient with one another. We understand that, you know what, we all have quirks. We, we're all strange if we're honest about it. And we just, we learn. So love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not de- demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no records of being wrong. In other words, lives in forgiveness. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices with the tr- whenever the truth wins out. And this deal of love, love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always helpful. It endures through the very every circumstance. In other words, this, God has put us in a family. Paul said in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 25, he says, not neglecting the meeting together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Man, there are folks going through tough times in our church right now. Difficult times. And they need a father. They need a family. They need a body that comes around them and encourages them. And who are you reaching out to? Who are you encouraging? Who are you ministering to? What Simon Peter is trying to say in this issue, he says, there is really no growth in God except through love. Sometimes the most mature Christian isn't the one that knows the most verses. It's the one that loves the most. Understands this issue of coming into community and ministering to one another and praying for one another and supporting one another and understanding that, guess what? We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're a, we're a family. And I've, I've known and I've known people that have known the, ba- the Bible backwards and forwards and and, I mean, they started out in the Christian life and grace and all this other stuff, and, and then something happened. And they may have known the Bible backwards and forwards, but they used the Bible as a, as a bat. And they were so hurtful. Simon Peter's talking about this issue of love, and that if, that if you love and if you mature, that there's, there's, some, there's some things that you need to throw off. There's some things you need to get rid of, and... And it's like, kind of like going to the doctor and when the doctor asks you what your diet is and, then, and you, t- you make the mistake of telling them. And, and they're like, well, there's some things you've got to quit eating. Simon Peter would say the same thing, verse 28, but he says, but the, Lord, the, the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news, the gospel that was preached to you. And because of that, put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow into your salvation if indeed you have tasted to see that the Lord is good. In other words, this issue of malice. This, I mean, it's just, it's just this deep thing that, that happens when we, it's just deep wickedness to where we, with our tongue, we injure someone or we hurt someone. It's, it's this issue, it's this issue of, of just bad thing and this issue of deceit. Deceit simply means to catch with bait. It means to have a it means to have a hidden agenda. You ever been around somebody? You knew they really didn't like you, but they were being nice to you because they needed to get something from you. And Simon Peter's saying that's this issue of deceit, that, that you don't have a hidden agenda. And hypocrisy just simply means two faces. I mean, it means just, just be authentic, just be real. And it's this issue of envy is, is just this hidden resentment that happens when you get angry when God blesses somebody else and you wish he had blessed you like that. And then slander is even, is even more vicious. 
to where you injure someone, to where you talk about them, to where you hurt their reputation or their character to others. And Jesus said this, and, and Simon Peter's saying this, is that we will be known by the words that we use. Uh, this came home to me, and then we'll, we'll take communion together, but years, many years ago when, when cell phones, it was in the early 2000s, and cell phones are, or I'm sorry, before then, and cell phones were becoming popular. Uh, we had some cell phones here at the church. We were having some problems. I called in a couple of times uh, to customer service. I got less than satisfactory response. My brother happened to work for the cell phone company. He was a salesman at the time for them. So I called Garrett up and said, Garrett, can you help me with this? He said, sure, I'll log into the system. Let me check your record. He logged into the system, checked the record, and he started dying laughing. He said, what would you say? And I'm like, well, what do you mean what did I say? He says, well, we rate you guys just like you rate us. And he says, in the notes, it says, the last person to talk to you said, I had the pleasure of talking to the, to the rude Reverend Jones today. And I realized, you know what? You're known. You're known by the words you use. Whether it's somebody, a customer service a million miles away, or it's somebody in, in your local church or your community. Simon Peter is talking about this issue. We're a family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why communion is administrated as a body of believers. So as our, as our servers begin making their way down...